Welcome to Green Tea, sustainable stories from Bowdoin's campus and beyond. My name is Holden Turner. And I'm Juliette Min. Green Tea is a production of the Office of Sustainability at Bowdoin College, sharing the perspectives of students, staff, and community members. All right, so today we have Alicia Samabor here to talk to us about sustainability and art. Hi, Alicia. Can you introduce yourself to everyone who is listening and on the podcast? Tell us what you do at Bowdoin, where home is, and how your semester is going off so far. Yes, thank you so much for having me, you guys. Really exciting. Yeah. Um, Alicia Samabor, I use she, her, her pronouns. I am currently a junior at Bowdoin. I'm an art history major and a Francophone studies minor. Um, I'm from Connecticut, so not too far from here and my semester is going the word I've been using or the word my roommate used is COVID fine so like in the context of sort of everything Uh, it's okay (laughs) it's yeah yeah, I've had better but I've also yeah I've had better but it's totally what's something that you've enjoyed about your semester so far honestly having to having not seen my friends in person for Mm -hmm. a year really really made me appreciate how great it is to be with them and to be in mm-hmm. person and to enjoy like an in-person connection um and like now that we're kind of spending all of our time together it's yeah. kind of amazing definitely moments where I'm like okay I could use some space but mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing um so I'm glad that we get to be here and do that even though there's some limitations yeah. on other people so could you start by just giving us a broad overview of what your interest in art is yeah So my interest in art definitely started when I was really young. I was both like a very like creative, but also like tactile kid. Mm. So like big food art kind of person. (laughs) Um, So my parents enrolled me in like a pottery class um, and it was like the best thing ever. And then in middle school and high school, I didn't really do too much creative stuff. I took one art, art class, like art creation class. Um, that I really liked and I was a museum person but like a lot of people I didn't really have the tools to understand what I was looking at yeah but since I'm here I also kind of want to dispel the myth that you need to like get art in order to enjoy (laughs) museums Um, and other artistic spaces because like okay so reading like the exhibition overview or like reading what the artist can help I think just leaning on your own sort of like interests and like aesthetic taste to like analyze and look at art is like super valid and honestly like really really helpful yeah um and I think like just to wrap it up yeah my interest in art definitely comes from a place of wanting to get art and then approaching it from an art art historical context has been really amazing giving me the tools to do so but I think sustainability is also a way that I look at art so Mm. I think bringing that context to it as well and encouraging other people to bring those contexts is super important yeah, how do you, uh, how does your relationship to art or your creation of art change the way that you view sustainability? Yeah, I think it's actually kind of the other way around for me mm-hmm. in that like sustainability really informs the way I look at like contemporary art specifically. And to speak like sort of broadly, I think like a lot of people explicitly or not have like two views about contemporary art as among many, but I think they're two core ones. Um, and firstly, I think many people kind of fall into this camp that I've also fallen to, fallen into, where like they believe that art has the potential to be like beautiful and if not like thought provoking, but also it's kind of this weird like leisure activity, and like they kind of believe that it's not important. Like at its core, art is not important. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, I think a lot of people believe that 
that much contemporary art is about and reflects political and social moments mm. and moments of unrest and discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's unique about sustainable art is that it all becomes so much more complex because sustainable art engages so many mediums and topics and not just like sustainability. So like I have examples, but like I don't have to no, get into those I would examples. Love to hear yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. So a project that is I have two. So a project that is does connect like sustainability with the art um, is with its sustainable mission is Benjamin Von Long's Mermaid swims through ten thousand plastic bottles. Oh, I know this one. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it was really like on the internet a lot in like two thousand sixteen, and it's like because the like the pictures are just like amazing and like particularly good for like catching the attention of the public mm-hmm. um especially the way he sort of produced and then like spread them around um but what he basically did was he and his team borrowed ten thousand used single-use plastic bottles mm-hmm. from a waste management facility near his studio and then they arranged the bottles which are like blue green and clear onto like patterns in the ground to make mm-hmm. them look like waves and then they had a professional mermaid pose in the middle of the design to make it look like she was swimming through the bottles. And it's kind of this like super intense, like beautiful thing, but also like yeah. deeply sad thing. Um, especially because no one wants to see like Ariel, like I <laughs> know drowning. <laughs> and I think like I said, it was like the perfect medium to capture public attention without being like too highbrow or like too self-righteous. Mm. I think it's really easy to share, really easy to engage with. And there wasn't like the sense like you're a terrible person. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> and it, it has that wow factor to it, yeah. too. You look at it, and you're like, oh, my goodness, that's a beautiful, compelling image that, that I want to engage with and talk about to someone, mm-hmm. but I'm not really sure how. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it was really... It's, like, just a really cool conflation of, like, both medium and message, like, as you're mm-hmm. saying, as well as, like, you know, classic commentary on consumer culture. Yeah. All artists' yeah. commentary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> um, but anyway... Um, but then, like I said, so sustainable art isn't always about the topic of sustainability. So there's other really cool artist named Yudi Sulistio, um, who used to work at an ad agency before he became an artist. And for whatever reason, there were always just a lot of cardboard boxes around. Okay. So he started stealing the boxes <laughs> and painting them and mm. making these hyper-realistic, like planes and robots and ultimately his medium is now like military tankers okay um and they just i i would encourage anyone to like look up images of them because they're just really sick um and basically because he grew up in the 80s it's like his art is about cold war and like masculinity Mm -hmm. and sort of rising consumerism and like other ills that kind of plagued that time (laughs) so though he has like a really cool sustainable medium the art he's creating isn't necessarily about sustainability yeah um which i think is really fascinating because you can kind of have those two things exist simultaneously Mm. you're not being like beaten over the head with like this good for the environment it's just art yeah i think that's cool too so are you saying that these two examples are kind of a a subfield of art that is trying to blend the beautiful and the activist part of art um is that kind of what you're saying or i i guess that is kind of what i'm saying i think that well can you maybe expand on that maybe try to correct what i'm saying a little bit yeah yeah okay um yeah so i think what's really happening is that so as i said earlier a lot of people view art as this kind of like highbrow thing that has nothing to do with real life yeah or they view it in a political context as like the thing to get them to care and make them feel sad or angry Mm. or whatever 
Whereas these artists in their work and in their medium are attempting to actually like, cr like create something out of waste. And they're sort of doing the work of like environmental, like of working towards mm. environmental justice yeah. and doing all these things um, within the work themselves in a way that also hopefully engages the outside, but is a personal sort of act in and of itself, mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not people enjoy the art or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. 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 Mm, yeah, I see what you mean. It's a very personal act of sustainability yeah. by taking things that would be waste and transforming them into what they think is beautiful or useful or creating value out of something that would originally have no value anymore. That's interesting. Wow. Like hopefully it changes the mind in the process. But mm -hmm. if it doesn't, I yeah. think the good thing is already done. Mm -hmm. It's a very fun. beautiful thing, a very beautiful process and very beautiful product that, yeah, definitely I do think could and would inspire people who are seeing from the outside in, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Alicia, are you ever involved in the creation of art pieces? Um, vaguely. So I would say my most direct kind of creation side is in, this is two random things. So Avant-Garde, um, this mm, year, this yeah. semester, I'm one of the co-editors-in-chief, even yeah. though it's a little bit on the back burner right now. Can you just tell people what our yeah. Avant-Garde is? Oh, sorry. So Avant-Garde is <laughs> Bowdoin's, um, like, culture and style magazine. It was started by Darius Riley and Haley Wozniak, um, I believe their freshman or sophomore year with another individual and I, I just I can't remember his name I apologize you're good um but yeah they were they started it and like for the last few years they've been having students come together and like write articles about music and culture and exhibitions and stuff like that as well as highlighting personal fashion and personal mm. style on campus yeah. through sort of like these photo essays and interviews with students um, and then the third sort of category is like photo shoots. So basically just having a really cool concept and wanting to yeah. like create that thing visually. Mm -hmm. um, so one like sustainability related thing that we ended up doing last two semesters ago, two, three semesters ago, pre-COVID <laughs> <laughs> was whenever that was, um, was we went to there's an artist, a sustainable artist in Brunswick named Ian Trask, who maybe you guys could interview. Um, but he has a studio by Cumberland Storage, like, right by mm -hmm. that, like, old antique thing and the, like, market. Anyway, um, so he allowed us, basically, to use his studio to take pictures in. Um, and it was just a cool space to be in. And instead of, you know, buying clothes, we sourced, or actually, we don't usually buy clothes, but we sourced clothes from the models and from our friends and mm -hmm. tried to be sustainable in our, like, shooting practices as well as sort yeah. of engaging in a, like, sustainable space. Um, but yeah, so I would say most of my own sort of creative output gets kind of put into that, um, right now. And then just a little bit of like poster making for other sort of yeah. mm -hmm. events, which is, I think everyone does that <laughs> here. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. Those are my two things. <laughs> does anything come to mind about like how maybe avant-garde would like intersect fashion and sustainability together other than like re um, what do you call it? Recycling. Yeah, recycling on clothing from others. Maybe yeah. like having fashion as a form of art to send that subtle message. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think most of our, so far, and mm -hmm. I think I would say we're definitely open to all of the ideas and all of the suggestions because it's such a creative team effort. Mm -hmm. um, but so far it's mostly been upcycling, or not upcycling, it's mostly been 
using clothing and stuff like that from like the members of the team as mm-hmm. well as like our friends um but right now or last year we hired or included Lilo Bean who works in a sustainability office yeah um because she's super engaged in upcycling and like knows how to sew and create really mm-hmm. awesome outfits so we were hoping to like use her for that skill <laughs> to bring her on for that really awesome skill um and hopefully we're also hoping to engage the town of Brunswick a little bit more because we have both natural spaces and sort of created spaces. Um, and I think that something that happens when you're on a college is that you kind of get sucked into like the bubble of this tiny space. Mm-hmm. It feels weird now that we have to be here, but during a regular semester, like I, I don't go off campus that often and stuff like that. So I yeah. engaging the town of Brunswick is something that's also yeah. one of our goals and creating a sustainable relationship between us and them, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm wondering a little about how artists are able to send messages and statements of what they're thinking and how they view the world through their art. Can you comment a little on how you see the artists you work with and how they do that? Yeah, I think this is a little bit of a shift, but I think mm-hmm. in particular, like our moment of both like globalization and social media have made it just like significantly more possible to share sort of messages and ideas and I think although artists are able to create sort of digital art and like painting and sculpture and share those things I think that like like oh my gosh spoken word poetry and like film are like uniquely like effective for sharing messages and ideas with the world because there's something about engaging the human voice that's just not done in portraiture and in sculpture and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in many ways, like the reason, like I think, you know, documentaries are like such a huge thing of this kind of last century, I guess I would say. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's one way that art, art and artists are able to engage. And I think that I can connect that back to the, um, the Von Wong um, piece because like not just he didn't just produce the images and send them out. He also created an entire wow video documentary where he showed getting the plastic bottles and like oh. having them all kind of strewn out on the floor and like having members of his community, his friends, just random people come in and like clean every single bottle and then like the actual like experience of doing the photo shoot. Yeah. So I think specifically film and specifically spoken word are two ways that artists are able to kind of spread their messages yeah. but there's obviously of course no ways to do that of course both of those aren't just making a moment they're like showing how one makes a moment or the process exactly of the moment. The exactly yeah i think this is not to be an art history dork please but <laughs> um that's one of the huge things of like abstract expressionism and like um and like the artists like jackson pollock who were mm-hmm. using so <laughs> there's kind of this argument um, by Rosenberg. I don't remember his first name. Whatever, it's critic named Rosenberg. <laughs> and he talked about how action painting, like as much as it was about the final painting, it was also about the act of creating the painting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think like being able to experience the act of creation sort of along with the um, the artist is like kind of a big deal. And it's a really unique thing to this particular like moment. Um, and the future, obviously. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really neat. That that makes me think of my work in environmental studies because so much about creating safe and healthy communities, whether that's a human community or a 
um, non-human community or all, all of the above, so much of it is about the process of making that community not just the final outcome. Yeah. We always talk about restoration as a process, not an end goal. Right, exactly. Yeah, very cool. Can you talk a little bit about an artist who inspires you, or if not an artist that maybe you are inspired by or want to be, like the type of, uh, what do you call it, experiencer of art that you wish to be in the future? Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm taking an art history class called Contemporary Art right now, which is why I keep talking about contemporary art yeah. because it's on my mind. Um, but we basically just learned about this artist named Barclay Hendricks. He was born in 1945, and he passed away in 2017. So he mm -hmm. kind of, like, his art was, like, really spanned a wide range of kind of, like, political and social movements as well as sort of, like, artistic um, movements. Um, and he sort of denied throughout his life that he was, like, a political artist or that he was, like, a protest artist. But he was also, like, a black man in the 60s, so kind of so much of what he did was political and radical just mm -hmm. by, like, nature and like his blackness and also the just people he was engaging with because so many of the artists of that time were just like radical political people um but he also really said like i paint what i know and i paint the people around me and my neighbors and my friends and all mm -hmm. these things um but he's also growing up in america um so one of the paintings by him that we studied on monday <laughs> what is called icon for my superman and it's this image of, which he painted in 1969, which was a very large year. It was, like, right after yeah. Martin Luther King had been assassinated. And, like, there were still, like, the Poor People's Campaign was still occurring. There had been race riots a few summers earlier. And, like, the fallout from that was still occurring. So it was just a huge mm. year. Um, and he, in the painting icon for my Superman, he depicted, like, this sort of lightly muscled black guy with, like, an afro and sunglasses and he's wearing that kind of classic, like, blue t-shirt with, like, the Superman logo mm -hmm. on it, if you can kind of imagine that. And he's kind yeah. of crossing his arms, and he looks, he just looks really cool and, like, confident, sort of nonchalant. Um, but what I think is kind of powerful about that piece is the subtitle, um, which is a quote from Bobby Seale, who is a co-founder of the Black Panthers, um, which was, Superman never saved any black people. Um, mm. And that like when I sort of read that and heard that and, like looked at the piece it like really hit me um especially because we were considering it in the context of like images of American flags um and like sort of the national identity yeah and I think there's something super unique about the superhero because they're fundamentally it's a fundamentally American creation like other countries have like I don't know like the Greek gods and sort of other figures that they sort of look up to and sort of provide Oh, some yeah. sort of sense of identity um but like the first superhero it like was developed in 1936 and it was like a guy from cincinnati like a crime fighter from cincinnati um mm -hmm. from not cincinnati from ohio yeah cincinnati cleveland anyway <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so like superman is like the american hero and in, in 1969 like he never saved any black people mm -hmm. and in that way like black people were so removed from like the social understanding of what it was to be an american mm -hmm. right beyond sort of like this kind of national identity and like this yeah. like large like federal political identity where you have the flag it's a cultural mm -hmm. icon just black people are not a part of that um so that quote kind of haunts me <laughs> i don't really kind of know what to do with it mm -hmm. um but the painting inspires hope or amusement or maybe it kind of just like 
defines like a shared black experience in a way. Um, but yeah, I keep coming back to it. So I guess inspires me, he inspires me, and that piece is really on my mind, I guess, at this moment, yeah. I would say. What do you make of his choice to use the Superman logo on his, on his shirt instead of portraying him as a completely different type of superhero? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's because the Black American experience at that time, mm-hmm. like, maybe, like, one could say that there were black immigrants, like people coming from Africa and the Caribbean and stuff, but in all likelihood, he was like a descendant of slaves and stuff like that. So his identity is directly tied to his Americanness mm-hmm. rather than like, so my parents are Nigerian Trinidadian. So as much as I have an American identity, I also have sort of these other identities and I have a sense of like where I come from. Yeah. But for him, where he comes from is America, mm-hmm. but America does not represent America and Superman. Um, sort of do not claim him so I think it's this way to say like I'm part of this narrative I'm part of this culture Mm. and like I claim that so it's sort of this Mm -hmm. simultaneous like violence and kind of anger and hatred but also like like accept it like you need to be accepted into it because like you don't have anything else yeah um which I think is pretty engaging but also so sad but pretty engaging (laughs) very sad but I understand now thanks thanks for getting at that yeah yeah um I'm I'm wondering about (laughs) Um, going forward what are you looking forward to in your work with the art history world or maybe something what is something that you want to do with art in the future yeah um so i have so i i really want to i i'm a little bit unsure about where i kind of want to place myself yeah um in the art world i think i there are sort of three kind of paths potentially right now one is like a museum path and sort of more like mm. academic a little bit more scholarly but also like looking towards making art accessible to kind of a broader community just because that's what museums do um and then there's sort of like a private art buying and selling mm-hmm. world which is kind of glamorous and like yeah. a little bit fascinating but i think maybe appeals to like maybe like a slightly worse part of myself <laughs> it is a fascinating um, world isn't it is a fascinating world and it's such a it's like a growing market where like mm. art is being used as a commodity and a piece of equity that people can like that holds value so people mm. can yeah. you know give it to their children and like all anyway not the point <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so like art marketing and stuff like that that's very interesting mm-hmm. um and then there's this kind of cool field of like art law which is what i'm sort of drawn to the most and, like, in art law, that could mean talking about, like, stolen art and, like, a lot of, like, Nazi art and, like, who it belongs to is still a thing. So, like, I was reading an article yesterday about a Klimt painting that was just taken from France and, like, given back, I believe, to its, like, original owners um, because it had been stolen post-occupation. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, a lot of that art was kind of, like, taken under um, not good circumstances. Um, that's light, but whatever. Um, so there's sort of that and like a lot of Syrian art during like ISIS occupation got destroyed and like there's also the question of what to do with like national heritage sites and who gets to claim ownership over art the people of a country decide to destroy their own art is that their right or can sort of other other sort of maybe more powerful likely western countries tell tell them what to do with like sort of the stuff that is their own and then there's sort of just like patents and stuff like that which is I mean, fine, but less exciting. <laughs> I think it's definitely less exciting mm-hmm. and unlikely to be 
uh, what I go into. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, those are sort of the things that I am trying to decide between at this moment. Um, I'll let you know how it turns out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they all seem super, super cool. I didn't really, or I never imagined that there were so many interesting things you could do with art as someone who is not going to be producing the art yeah maybe like i thought about museums but nothing beyond that so yeah yeah, it's been a lot of research and just assuring myself that it's like not like a weird and sort of too niche life (laughs) so it's also like a defense of like you know studying art history yeah Yeah. and before you leave Bowdoin, what's something that you want to do in with art yeah what would you like to see um that is such a great question so this is not something that i have the ability to achieve okay however um professor fletcher told us um art history professor she's wonderful um told us that there used to be an underground gallery that connected the art museum and the visual arts center and like so there's just like this long tunnel that is now a series of like under the bill like underground in, in Bowdoin. yes what yeah i know <laughs> i know and it's now like storage and it's like a series of like doors and stuff like that. But it once mm. was like a very like functioning gallery. Um, so I have this, I've developed this sort of plan that I'm not going to tell anyone <laughs> <laughs> to, to gain access to that space and like try and figure out how to like walk through and, you know, wow. see what's going on down mm. there. Interesting. Um, just cause it's super cool and maybe convince someone along the way to like open it back up and like maybe like students would be more interested in going to a museum cause like this really amazing space and you have so many cool pieces and artifacts um and it's just super underutilized but yeah um yeah. so getting more people into the museum and also sneaking into the underground tunnels. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so actually i think i can do that but yeah don't tell anyone <laughs> plus it also plays into the mythology of Bowdoin. i mean everyone exactly. talks about oh, yeah. the steam tunnels have you like where are the steam tunnels or wait, can we get steam tunnels? Steam tunnels? <laughs> yeah wait what are well, the well i've always i've i've heard i've heard rumors that like oh there are steam tunnels beneath Bowdoin's campus but i don't think it's actually true oh or, or it is true, and they just want you Maybe to deny it. <laughs> they make it sound crazy, but that's really how they stop you from looking for it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so this weekend, or mm-hmm. starting this weekend, is spring break, and we have a couple days off. So we're curious now what you will be doing over spring break and yeah. how... Uh, or what you will be doing to maybe care for yourself and practice sustainability and maybe art. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, my big like self care thing is listening to podcasts, oh. which is a super basic answer. However, I think they're really fun. I've been listening. So I listened to two, there are two subsets and then one like if I were a better person. So, <laughs> so there are a lot of like podcasts about like, reacting to like b movies just like bad movies um and like just groups of friends and like comedians professionals just talking about these movies like getting super into it and like analyzing the plot and i don't know why but it's fascinating because it's this fun mixture of like getting to know the host's personalities and also hearing about movies that i either loved or hated and getting super offended and are like yes that did suck i can't believe they made that choice um, and then there's another genre of just, like, comedians who talk about their lives. There's not much to it. It's just kind of fun and super easygoing. And then if I were yeah. a better person, I would <laughs> listen to more podcasts that are, like, like, Stuff You Missed in History Class. I really like that podcast mm. um, by How Stuff Works on, I think it's, it's not NPR, but whatever. 
um, that's a really good subset. But it's cool because you can kind of listen to something and you're kind of engaging your mind and it's entertaining. Yeah. But you don't get the exhaustion of like looking at a screen or like yeah. scrolling for a while. You're kind of just like listening and like eating your lunch or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's definitely a self-care thing that I do and will indulge quite a bit more <laughs> over, over the break. Yeah. Do you... Um... Do you mind sharing some of the names of the podcast for anyone who is interested? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, really good podcast is called How Did This Get Made? By It's hosted by Paul Shear and Jason Mantisoukas, both from The League. Mm-hmm. And then Paul Shear's wife, June, Dian- June Diane Raphael, Raphael, Raphael um, from Grace and Frankie. Um, that's one of the, the like bad movie podcasts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just really fun, kind of funny. It's not, like, super raunchy or anything like that. So you can kind of, like... I don't know. That's, that's not... <laughs> don't tell me that. Um, but, yeah, that's, like, a, just a fun one to listen to. The other one, the other movie one is Guilty Pleasures. And it's mm. Garrett Bernard, Zach Kornfeld, and Kelsey Dara. Um, and the comedy one that I listen to the most is called Hey Babe by Chris Stefano and Sal Volcano of Impractical Jokers. Um... So if you want just super easy, <laughs> super light podcast. And the other one is um, Stuff You Missed in History Class, which is actually a really, really good one. Yeah. And Sarah and Dublina are really good hosts. I don't know their last names, but that's a good one as well. Amazing. Yeah. And now for our final question. Yeah. What does sustainability mean to you, Alicia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think this is something I learned under Beth- Bethany is just like, amazing tutelage and huge, I don't know, can I give a shout out? Like, yeah, that's you do a shout out. Huge shout out to Bethany. I'm sure you guess- <laughs> talk about her all the time but I love her so much um but like basically sustainability of like space and then sustainability of self um so like making the right choices in terms of like recycling and composting and trying to kind of pass those things on to other people um and then also like what we were talking about self-care um and being like good to yourself and making sure that you're in like sort of mind space to then sort of pass on these good things to the world and also um, not be too upset when the world is not as receptive to them yep. <laughs> as you would like yeah. them to be. Thank you so much for talking with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is very cool. Over the course of the spring 2021 semester, Green Tea will be sharing stories from students, staff, and community members around Bowdoin College. Stay tuned for more episodes and thanks for listening.